Welcome to Folk Tales, a podcast series for anyone who loves spending time on, in or by the water. I'm Dominic Zamet, Director at Boat Folk, and throughout this series I'll be speaking with guests from our coastal communities to hear their stories and to learn what life on the water means to them. Today we hear from Hasler Marina Assistant Manager Colin McLean. Colin's been chatting with the Green Blues' Kate Fortnum about all things ocean conservation, from the joint RAA Natural England Remedies Project to top tips on what each of us can be doing to minimise our impact on the ocean. Let's hear how they got on. Good morning and welcome to our guest today, Kate Fortnum, who is the campaign manager for the Green Blue, the RYA Green Blue, I should say. Uh, she's going to talk to us today about the Remedies Project and trying to restore some of the seagrass. Good morning to you, Kate. Hi, Colin. Nice to meet you. You're here today to talk about the Remedies Project and the eco moorings in particular, I think, I think is one of your favourites, to try and save the, not only the eelgrass, but the male beds as well. I wonder if you could uh, give us some more information on that. Yeah, so um, as the Environmental Awareness Programme for the RWA, but, but also British Marine um, as well, um, we are partners in a project at the moment called Remedies, which is led by Natural England. Um, it is funded by the Life Programme. Um, and there's other partners involved, such as Marine Conservation Society, Ocean Conservation Trust. And we're all working together to really raise awareness of seabed habitats um, and in particular seagrass beds. We're also looking at ways the boating community can adopt anchoring best practice and installing advanced eco mooring systems to replace our traditional swing moorings, which essentially help to minimise the impact that they have on the seabed. Yeah, I, I'm a member of the local yacht club. I'm a sailor myself, and um, I have to say, we, we still down there use a, an old train wheel and a, a length of chain, which must be causing devastation. Having seen the effects down at Studland with just normal anchoring, I can imagine a fixed mooring like that must be, you know, completely unrepairable. Is there anything can be done with that? Yes, I mean, yeah, with the traditional sort of swing moorings, you've got the anchor block on the seabed, which can be pretty big. And uh, with my travels around the UK, I've seen all sorts of things on the seabed as an anchor point, such as old drain covers for roads, um, tyres filled with concrete. So these advanced mooring systems are essentially advanced. They're designed with better technology and, and it's one to remove the anchor block, which takes up space on the seabed where a habitat can grow. I mean, instead replacing it with something called a helical screw. So it's a bit like a pile and it goes into the seabed. It's not new technology. Um, it's actually using construction. So the company that provides that for the project in particular is ABC Anchors. Um, um, and they, in tradition, they actually used it for jetties. So a lot of our old jetties around the coastline used the same method of screwing in a pile into the seabed. But back then they used horses and people to turn the screw into the seabed, whereas now the technology is advanced on and there's a machine that does it underwater. But yeah, it's fascinating to see. Um, and then in terms of the chain that you mentioned, um, obviously it can cause abrasion onto the seabed habitat as it's pivoting around the anchor point when the boat swings in the tide and the wind. So how can we then do something about the chain component? So there's two companies that we're working with, Seaflex and Hazelit Marine, who provide a elastic riser. So instead of the chain, it's an elastic component, which is attached to a rope that leads up to the buoy on the surface. And that is, it obviously flexes with the movement of the water to take the strain off the bow of the vessels. And it removes that chain lying on the seabed at all. Another idea that was created, it was called the Sterling Mooring, and that was down in Plymouth, actually. 
And instead of using an elastic riser attached to this helical screw, it's a um, chain still, but floats attached periodically up the chain, which help it to float through the water column. So actually, this is probably um, a less expensive option. And it is being used down in Plymouth at the moment in Corsan Bay. And it's also being used for marker buoys. So to mark out where these seagrass areas are, which is ideal because it helps us as boaters um, to know where the seagrass is under the water as it's out of sight. Yeah, they, I have been asked, as, as you know, we uh, both were involved with the uh, the trial down at Studland. We were using using the helical screws with the hazard marine system, which is quite successful. I put my own boat on it, spent a night there, which is good. The question we keep getting asked, is there any danger of propellers getting caught up in any of this any of this system, especially the chains with the floats? That is a concern of a few of, uh, of our berth holders here. I haven't heard of anyone had any problems as yet because they, they sort of hang straight up and down, don't they? I don't know if you've heard anything. Yeah, yeah no, the, the, I, I say there's floats um, added to the chain. There is a bit of science behind it and they're periodically added along so it progressively goes up through the water column so you haven't got this long chain lying on the surface of the water um, where a propeller you know could attach but essentially we as a project we haven't had any sort of negative feedback on that and reports it's been very successful down in Corsan Bay in helping to recover the seagrass and they're all sort of private moorings down there that are being used so it is good feedback from them that we're having so yeah in terms of issues like that we haven't had any reports back but as part of the project, we are trialling them. We're looking for feedback. We're monitoring to see how it improves the seabed. And then that's essentially going to help us build up data, build up knowledge to share wider afield. Absolutely fantastic news. That. Okay. Now, what about normal anchoring? So if I was, say, to go to Osborne Bay and drop my anchor, is there anything we can do to um, to try and protect the, the grass down there? You know, if I only stop for a lunch break or, or mm. something like that, is there anything in the system that we can think of? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, Osborne Bay has a seagrass bed. So many boaters actually may not realise that they go and visit. But yeah, definitely. I mean, the first thing we're saying is, you know, look up where seagrass is. And on the project website, which is saveourseabed.co.uk, um, and also on the Green Blues website, uh, we have maps of the five sites that the project's focusing on of where the seagrass areas are. So as boaters, we can look up where it is. Then we can make an educated decision to anchor outside of the seagrass areas. Obviously, if we don't have an alternative option, Option for that, then we recommend using an existing mooring that is within the seagrass habitat, ideally an advanced mooring system because it's better than the traditional ones. But if there isn't one available, you're in a situation where there's an emergency, safety, and you need to access these areas, then the anchoring techniques that we're recommending is using the correct anchor, the sand, which is where seagrass grows, to make sure the anchor embeds quickly and minimizes drag. And if you go on an RWA course, the things they're naturally teaching you to secure your vessel to stop drag are having a secondary benefit of protecting the seabed. So that's great news to hear. The other thing is looking at the actual chain length. Now, the RWA recommends an amount of chain depending on the maximum depth of water. So that's four times the maximum high water depth um, if you're just using chain. If you're using a mixture of chain and wall, then it's six metres. Obviously, you're going to know what your vessel um, needs in, in terms of chain to secure it. But essentially, what we're saying is keep it to an absolute minimum because any additional metre added on to the chain on the seabed increases the pivot area abrasion by quite a significant difference. So just to give you an example, if you put had six metres of chain on the seabed and it does a full pivot in a circle round, that would be around, I think, you know, 103 metres squared. 
abrasion. Let's just add two extra meters on. So eight meters going around in a circle suddenly goes up to over 200 meters squared. So nearly double. So small little adjustments we can make to our chain length and our practices are going to have a huge, massive positive impact on the seabed. Absolutely. I'll just point it's not six meters, it's six times the depth, but uh, I know what you meant. Now, I quite often, I anchor a lot. I do enjoy it. But if I'm only stopping for a lunch, I, nine times out of 10, I don't go the four times the depth or the six times the depth. That's required. I wait until I, I think the boat's safe. If I was going to sleep overnight, different ball mm. game. But if I'm only stopping for a lunch stop, I will use the absolute minimum necessary, allowing for changing tide and everything else, as, as most boaters yeah. will do. I, I see the point. And um, I, I've actually had a look through the, the charts on where the sea graph is. I was actually caught by surprise because I've been sailing in the Solent for many, many years and I didn't realise the areas were there. So um, yeah. I think we need to encourage people to check just to see what is below them. You know, we check what the, mm. what the substrate is, but we never actually check whether there's anything down there that you can damage. What's great is we're, we're now getting uh, nautical maps with the seagrass areas on, and then we're going to be developing signage to go up at marinas to help customers, berth holders know where their local seagrass is. So, you know, boat folk have been brilliant in, in supporting us with that, and they're going to be putting up signs at the marinas in, in the Solent, Solent mm. site. So, yeah, really exciting. Oh, Ray is looking forward to it and, uh, you know, going ahead. So the other things that obviously we need to talk about with the, the Green Blue is things like uh, anti-fouling nowadays. We, we realise more and more just what it is doing to the environment. And, and again, as somebody who belongs to a yacht club, I used to lean against a set of piles and give the bottom a clean off. Since coming in this job, I've realised it's not so good. Is there anything you can suggest maybe to the smaller yacht clubs that you know could clean the bottom of the boats, but at the same time without putting anything into the sea that's going to cause any problems? Yeah, so you've got two things here. You've got the boat user and what they're applying to their vessel, the type of anti-foul coating. So there are alternatives out there that more are more environmentally friendly. And on the Green Blue website, we have a list of those alternatives. And something we're keen to do is have an external review comparing some of those to better inform the boating community. But essentially, you've got things such as, you know, silicon, um, silicon-based coating, biomimetric coats, which essentially mimic species such as sea urchins. So there's a company out there developing that um, and that's out on the market. Um, and then, you know, looking at if you're going to be using paints, ones that are more durable, such as um, copper coat. Then you've got the um, situation of those who are using the traditional sort of paints, which are more toxic. You need to be looking at those that using those that are less toxic. So contacting your paint supplier for what alternatives are available. And as a boat club and a marina, it's providing facilities that are going to capture any anti-foul residue when the vessels are being power sprayed. So I know boat folk at Deacon's Marina have a filtered washdown system, which is fantastic. Essentially, your boat gets lifted out over a funded concrete area, it's power sprayed, and that liquid, which potentially could have um, antifoul, toxic antifoul residue in, goes into a filtered chamber underneath, which is kind of like a gravel pit. And then, you know, the cleaner water then gets put out into the environment, which is great. And we're really encouraging marinas across the UK to install these. Obviously, if you're a smaller yacht club, um, it is quite expensive. So it's trying to look at alternatives. And this is definitely a challenge in this area at the moment. But there are portable, bunded, filtered washdown um, systems available. So you can roll out a mat, which is bunded, and it pumps the water out. Or even on slipways, having a drainage channel. So when the water runs down, it goes into a drainage channel, which then gets redirected off into 
the underground settlement tank. And then um, you would have to get someone to come in, a contractor usually comes in and cleans out, same with the marinas, they'll have a contractor that comes in, cleans out the gravel and contaminated waste and takes that away to be disposed of safely. The great thing about these um, washdown systems, like the one, the one Deacon has on the Hamble River, is it also collects biofouling. And in that biofouling could be invasive species, which is another big environmental issue that we campaign around. So it's got two benefits there. So we're definitely encouraging. But just to let your you know, customers or boat folk know that we have something on the website called the environmental facilities map. So it is registered marinas, harbours, boatyards across the UK that have different environmental facilities. So that could be those that have a washdown system, have recycling, flare disposal, hazardous waste um, bins. So as a boater, we can selectively go and choose marinas that are providing these facilities to us so we can be more sustainable. Um, And that really is a tool that we created because we used to just have a pump out directory facility and it was our most visited section on the website. So there's definitely an appetite for wanting to know where these facilities are. So we're really hoping this tool is helping people. Absolutely, yes. Uh, uh, just for information, we are we have got Sea Lift here at Hasman, which is a semi-submersible device that has its own tank which catches the waste. And as part of our development in the boatyard, we're also going to put a bonded tank there to catch the waste when we list motorboats which is fantastic that's oh, brilliant the lift out's really good because it has low because the boats can come in be lifted and then put straight back in the water they have to come right out onto the shore which make makes the whole process a lot quicker yeah great facility yeah they like to boast they can get you lifted cleaned off and back in the water in an hour which is fantastic news. Yeah. <laughs> on the word of the uh, the pump out situation more and more marinas mm-hmm. are getting pump outs now because nearly all modern boats are fitted with a, a holding tank which is fantastic yep. and many of us with older boats are fitting them as well. We, of course, have our own pumpy pump face, (laughs) which is our mobile pump out boat. We take around to our customers in the marina and hopefully with any later developments, we're going to be getting the the pump out station fixed as well, which is good because, again, it just shocked me how much pollution we do put in the water. And and the lockdown was a big eye-opener for us. We couldn't believe just how clean the harbour was when there was nobody doing any boating. You could actually see mm. crabs walking along the bottom which was quite amazing so it is uh, it is a bit of an eye opener yeah you kind of see the potential of actually what our environment could look like but yeah beforehand people may not have had a sense of that but yeah definitely seeing actually we are having an impact even if it's small collectively if each of us is having a small impact it does create a larger one so I would say even doing these small things you know collectively it does make a big difference I know we hear this across the board but I've definitely stuck by that um, all my life. And of course, if you're adopting good practice on your vessel, your next door neighbour is going to see you doing that. And, and it's this kind of ripple effect and it creates a conversation of, well, how, how are you getting on with your bilge filter that you've installed on board? Oh, it's fantastic. It's extracting the oil, you know, oil out of the bilge. And, you know, it means we're not pumping out into open water. Oh, um, how'd you get one of those? And then suddenly you're having this ripple effect across the marina, across the club. And that's what we love to see. Yeah, it is because it is a very friendly hobby or pastime if you like the boating world regardless of what vessel you've got and as you say, you, you people do talk to each other. And uh, I think more and more people, certainly people my age, starting to realise that we do need to clean up the sea. It's, it's our playground and we need to look after it and share it with the, the wildlife out there. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic news. Okay, uh, you got anything else you need to cover from your green blue that you want to 
bring up or raise? No, just um, we're here to support boat users. We have a website with a whole whole range of information, advice and resources, educational activities that clubs can run with young sailors, instructor resources, green guides. We have it all. It's there. So please do go and have a look and use it and drop us an email. You know, Give us a call. We're here to support you to make your boating more sustainable. Before I came on, I did have a look at your Anchoring with Care guidance, which is actually yeah. uh, very good. Again, somebody who's been sailing many years I never thought half of the stuff they've got in there so it's very well worth reading and and Mm. the other publications you've got out there well Kate Fulton I'd like to say thank you very much for meeting me today and uh, trust we'll see you around the marina sometime yeah definitely thanks Colin bye bye now bye I hope you enjoyed this episode of Folktales and you join us for the next episode soon 